0: hey 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 you're now tuned in to underdog talk i'm your host eric jones jr the underdog with the heroic heart and i have conversations with successful underdogs and today i have the underdog uh mentality uh tom mr tyler monk how are you doing today sir yeah man i'm good
1: eric thanks for having me brother i'm happy to be here with you man on this underdog talk for sure oh appreciate
0: you man uh uh, He was asking me how I um, found him and I was looking up some with underdog mentality and he popped up as one of the people. So I was like, hey, let me shoot my shot. And, you know, it worked out. So before we get into today's conversation, well, uh, the sponsor is brought to you by Christian Dewan. That's my clothing line, me and my son. Uh, We have T-shirts, sweatshirts uh, and hoodies. Uh, You use the promo code if you're watching. Underdog is spelled above me. And then if you're listening, it's U N D D A W G talk, and you'll get 15% off at ChristianDewan.com. So we have the underdog meets the underdog. Yeah. Oh. And we both we both are into basketball. You're a little taller than I am. Um, so uh how did you how did you like get the underdog like where what in life like made you like i'm gonna own this underdog
1: man that's a that's a great question i think for me you know uh consciously i made the choice at about 33 years old that i was going to roll with the underdog mentality and i built this brand but it flashbacks to when i was about 14 15 years old freshman year of high school and uh, just struggling tre- tre- tremendously, uh, you know, in the traditional educational system. But I always had a passion for hoop, and hoop was all I cared about. And um, I wasn't really that good, to be honest. I mean, I was very athletic. I was dunking in, like, ninth grade and windmilling. But I boy couldn't shoot to save his life. Couldn't dribble. Um, got cut. You know, had terrible grades. Had 0.2 GPA my freshman year of high school. Getting suspended. Fighting teachers. Just... Dealing with a lot, man, and it, and uh, I just realized that, like, I made a decision that I think at some point we have to make these decisions as people that's like, uh, you know, everything is not your your fault, but it is your responsibility, and, and there's the a difference, and I think that I, I had been placing the blame on other situations and circumstances and people for so long, I just got tired of it, and it wasn't giving me the results that I wanted, so I said, okay, even though my circumstances or the situation I'm in might suck, I got to take responsibility for my action and my attitude and i started doing that but it didn't happen right away took a couple years and then finally got my grades right and then uh when i was 33 i I sat down with my homie he was a ex-nfl football player you know uh he has a very highly successful podcast i am not you podcast check my boy out nisa bobahim and uh i was telling him my story and i was like man i want to do this i want to build something i want to build I want to be a speaker. I, be, I had been speaking, not really getting paid, but just doing it, trying to build my portfolio. And I was telling him my story. and He said, you got the underdog story. You got an underdog mentality. And I said, bro, I ain't got no business name. I ain't got no brand. Can I use that? And he's like, go ahead. <laughs> so that's where I came up with the concept of the underdog mentality. But it's been my whole life. You know what I mean? Being discounted, being a person that my folks might look at and say, oh, he got potential, but can he? Um mm-hmm. And I thrive in that environment uh, when, when folks doubt me or when there might be a lot of barriers between where I'm at to where I want to be. I love a good challenge. And so that's why I named, uh, you know, the brand and, and you know the mantra, the underdog mentality. And I know you can relate to that.
0: For uh, sure. de- definitely, man. I, I, I love that uh, story. Mine ain't really – I mean, it's similar to a sense with the basketball because my grades suck too, so I never really got a chance to even uh, go out for the team until ninth grade, and I was the manager. Uh, so, But I got to play. I was like one of those kids – that you see now like on ESPN and they got like a disability and they get to play and everybody loves them. I was that kid before them. I was like, where was ESPN when I was a kid? Like I really was like, dang, I was really hooping back then. But yeah, Yeah. I definitely understand with the underdog and my like kind of the same with you. Like I always been the underdog, but it didn't resonate to me like to own the underdog until I started to want to speak. And uh, it was like the underdog with the heroic heart. And I kind of stuck with that. And then, um, when I got the podcast, I was like, man, underdog is spelled too similar. I want to change it. So I changed it and made it W A G. I mean, (laughs) D A W G. Um, and I was like, I'm gonna stick with that. And I'm like, I'm the underdog. Like when people think of underdog, they, you know, they're going to think of you, but they're going to think of me too, because like, I think people look at the underdog as like, oh, whoa, it's me. Oh, I can't do this. No, they think you can't do it. You can do it. Like, that's how I feel because being born with a disability and like, you know, it's like, okay. I got to be able to do something that other people don't think I can do because they look at me and think I can't do it. That's fine. You think I can't do it, but I know I can do it. So when you, when you're the underdog, you got to realize like, it's just you there's nobody else really around because nobody else believes what you can do. They don't believe in your ideas. They don't don't think because maybe you don't, don't. maybe Maybe you don't don't think something. something. And Mm -hmm. That's when you're able to utilize that as a disadvantage, but an advantage. Mm. Because if you use it as an advantage, like, oh, nobody believes in me. Nobody, when I get on the basketball court, listen, they like, oh, he can't hoop. Yeah, okay, I'm about to bust your ass. You, it, hey, <laughs> you know, that's that. And I, and I'm like a uh, mini, miniature KG. Like, I talk trash mm-hmm. and I'm gonna back it up. And like, mm-hmm. I can't play defense like I used to because my knees, I ain't been stretching like I'm supposed to. But like, it's like you got to have that mentality of whatever it is that you do, you dominate and then you utilize that around you. Like Mm -hmm. I use basketball to help me in other areas because I was dominant when I got on the basketball court. I'm five, six, seven, 140 on a good day. And I feel like I'm the biggest person on the court. But I had to look at that and realize I had to do that outside the court so I could be the person I am today. So it did take till I was like 30 to realize why I was born the way I was and all that good stuff. But like, I've always been the underdog. So mm-hmm. uh, with basketball, you said you, um, was kind of trash in ninth grade, but you got better. Your grades got uh, good, Yeah. but then you played college basketball. So what changed? What helped, helped you yeah. be able to get better and then get your grades together?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me, man, is that that, that it was that day, man. Uh, this is like anytime I get asked to come speak and I'm doing a keynote, I always tell this story. I had a conversation with my pops, man. Uh, I was making some bad choices. I remember my pops, man, this man must have slapped the snot out my nose. Um, I had a bedtime at 10 o'clock. I had been tripping in school, slapped the mess out of me. And my dad was not that type of father. He was always, you know, uh, you know, it was never really. Uh, physical, you know, altercations or anything with him and not even verbal. He just was an incredible encourager, but he was fed up with my bullshit. To be honest, I was tripping. You know what I mean? So slap me this night. I go, go to bed, go to, sun, go to bed. So I go to go lay down and uh, about 10, 15 minutes later, I hear this, he, him say three words and my dad would say three words to get my attention. Boy, you better. And he said, boy, you better go get your little ass in a car right now. And I'm a worst case scenario type person, you know, survival mode. That's how I had to grow up. So I'm prepared. We start driving. I live in Portland, Oregon, and we start driving. And it's literally across this. There's a river, the Columbia River, and it goes into Washington. So the state of Washington. And we start driving towards there. I was like, bro, I ain't never been here before. Where are we going? And I'm worst case scenario. He pulls off at this exit, and this the river exit. And I said, oh, this dude finna try to drop me off in the river. I said, these hands are quick and you can catch them. I'm not fooling with you. You know what I mean? So as soon as we park, I'm ready to knock him and get out the car because he's acting irrational. And uh, ultimately, man, we pull into a Denny's. And I'm like, oh, okay, he's going to try to treat my trauma because he put hands on me. Now he's feeling bad. You know what I mean? So anyway, we're about to go into Denny's and I open up the car door, man. We had an old 1977 Cutlass, Doodle Brown, man, Oldsmobile Cutlass. And uh, he grabs me on the shoulder my dad had big old hands. He was, he was a little shorter than me, but his hands was huge. And man, I started praying. So I said, Lord, please listen to me. It's Tuesday. I don't even know if church is open on Wednesday. I'm going to go, I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> Do not let this man put any pause on me when I turn around and look at him. And I looked at my pops and he started having tears coming down his face. And I'm a, I'm a sympathy crier, man, empathy crier. So I started crying with my dad and we sitting in this car crying at 1042 on a Tuesday night. Um, and I wipe my tears. He wipes his tears. He gives me a kiss. I give him a kiss. I said, "Daddy, I love you." He said, "I love you too, son." He said, "Son, but what do you want to do with your life? Like, who do you want to become?" First time anybody really asked me that question that I can remember. I'm sure there was teachers and educators and support systems that asked me those questions, but I wasn't hearing that. But my pops asked me that question. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I said, "Dad, I want to be a hooper. I want to. I want to play ball." And uh, I got cut that at my freshman year because I wasn't good and because my grades were trash. And so from that point in time, even though it didn't change right away, like I think a lot of times people think like change just happens. Like, oh, I made a decision. Now everything changes. No, it's it's a process of growth. And then I got my act together and I made the JV team my sophomore year. We were a really good basketball team for the state of Oregon. I mean, you know, tons of championships. And so it wasn't like I was getting cut from a bummy ass team. Like these, These are dudes who can hoop. Sophomore year, I only play like eight games on JV because of uh, ineligible, because your grades carry over from year to year. Junior year, I'm ready to ball out. I'm about to, I'm on varsity. I'm finna start shooting guard. Boy, I'm about to get these buckets in, get recruited. And I break my foot uh, about three weeks before the season starts and I missed 80 percent of the season. So my senior year, I finally play a full season. I averaged about 14, 15 points a game, few assists, a couple rebounds here and there. And I only had about three schools looking at me. Uh, one NAI school here locally in Portland, and then a couple of JUCOs in like Texas, and then one in uh, California, Bakersfield. And so I said, I'm gonna bet on me because I want to go D1. You know how you get hung up on that. You know how these kids is. I was the same way. I said, boy, I'm trying to go D1. So I go to Bakersfield and I tell you, when I ball out, it made me put myself in a position to be uncomfortable and to realize as I was walking into the situation, I'm playing basketball with homies that just got out the pen. My boy, my boy was 225, 6'4, 26 years old. I'm 18, 162, soaking wet, and I'm competing for his spot. If i you know, I'm playing with people from Chicago. All my roommates were from Brooklyn. We had people from Romania, from Luxembourg, from I mean, all over the all over the world. And I had to grind, I had to figure it out. You know, when I when I got my shot, like you just said earlier, like I saw an opportunity, took my shot, and here we are. I got in a game, put me in a game. I started shooting that thing, getting rebounds, playing defense, man. And then after my freshman year, had a couple of looks from some D1s. But by the end of my sophomore year, I had 10 D1 uh, basketball scholarship offers. And um, for me, it was just I realized that if I wanted it, I had to be willing to put in the work and the effort that it took to get the things that I said I wanted. And I think a lot of the times before that I struggled with getting upset about the lack of results I got from the lack of energy, effort or mindset I put into it. So I just started accepting responsibility. And ever since then, really, that's just been kind of my mantra. It's just like, nah, if you're not where you want to be in life, do your circumstances suck? Absolutely. Are you not supported? Do you not have the relationships that you need? For sure. Maybe those might happen but you have absolute control and power over your thoughts and your decisions and the actions that you take and the mindset you and the approach that you have about it. And so that's just where I, I leaned into that man and I became a high level, um, you know, Division One athlete and then ended up transferring down to a Division II um, just because the uh, my grades were still bad and, you know, I still wanted to play more. So, uh, you know, I had more eligibility, so I played there. But I'll just say this real quick and I'll pass it back to you, Eric. Uh, the biggest thing that happened for me was I realized that my whole vision, my whole identity had been wrapped up in being an athlete for my whole life. I was a great baseball player growing up, decent at basketball, got a lot better as I got older. But I had knee surgery and I had like this much cartilage left in my knees. And the doctor told me I was 23, I was getting ready to go play overseas. He said, Tyler, if you continue to play ball, you'll be you'll have knee replacement surgeries before 30. You ain't got no cartilage, it's bone on bone. And I said, damn, I got to make a decision. I got to realize that I got an identity outside of just who. And that's when I started diving into like, well, what do I want to do with my career? Who do I want to become? What kind of impact do I want to have? And I heard that you talk and I've read a little bit about you as well, that you work in, like you said, you work in the schools. And that was my work for 15 years. You know, after I graduated, got my degree for 15, about 12 to 15 years, I was working with in the educational system. So I worked in middle schools, high schools and colleges. Um, nonprofit organization serving and working with young folks. And that has been my passion, uh, you know, for the last roughly 20 years of my life. But I never would have found that had I not had that conversation with my pops, had I not make a decision to take responsibility for my actions and my attitude, but then also to realize that like hoop is just one part of my identity. It's not everything. So I got to find something outside of that that would allow me to be my full self. And so that's what I'm doing here today, man. It's, it's a blessing. I ain't got no complaints. Now, I don't hoop no more like that. I got a goal to dunk until I'm 45. And I'm telling you, it's been pretty easy so far. I'm 38. This shit is getting it. I'm, I'm up there. I'll give you a windmill. I'll give you a windmill. I'll play five a I'll it. I'll give it to you. Um, But I just don't hoop no more. But I'm I'm so invested in the Portland Trailblazers. Damian Lillard. Come on, man. I could talk about that shit all day. So anyway... I'm yeah. still invested, but it's just a different level of where you know, my investment is at.
0: I understand? I'm. I would just say Celtics, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. That's all. But anyways, we'll. Uh, <laughs> we'll hey, I'm look. No, hold on now. Look, Eme
1: Adoka. I know there was some stuff that went on. Yeah. You know, he got. He's from Portland. I played ball. He's one of the old OGs. I yeah. played ball with with Eme in. The coaching staff. There's, four, there's three other coaches that are from Portland that I grew up with and played ball with. Peyton Pritchard. He's from or he's from like West Lynn, which is like outside of Portland. So like I'm, I was rooting for the Celtics. I was mm-hmm. pissed because I definitely did not want Steph Curry to get. I love Steph Curry, but there's always the debate about Dame and Steph. And obviously Steph is is a is a more accomplished player. But I always say like, put Dame on the Golden State Warriors, and they're still winning all the championships. Yeah. What are we talking about? You know what I
0: mean, come on, man. Anyway, we can talk. I can talk about that all day. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But um, I got similar, I just, a similar kind of story. But I didn't go professional or none of that because, like, for me to play basketball is to play on a basketball court. So the way I looked at underdog is like if I don't go dribble this ball, shoot the ball, watch basketball because we we didn't have YouTube back when I was a kid. We had to watch it, record it, and then we had to uh, think about what they did and go outside and try to do the moves and stuff of that sort. So for me, the underdog that I, how I looked at it was I had to fight just to get on the playground. And once I got on that playground, I felt like I could take that dominance outside the playground. And then when I realized basketball, like my dream was to uh, be in the NBA when I was a kid, but then I realized we got to go to school and study and all that. No, it wasn't me. So I had a similar conversation with my mom. I was in 10th grade. My granddad had passed away. My grade so When I tell you I was in the night school, regular school, my mom she took me to the pastor and he was like my best friend at the time's dad. So he was like on some dad stuff. He, he wasn't like on no pastor stuff. And I was in there crying and then my mom was crying. I ain't never really seen my mom cry. Um, mm-hmm. And she was like, uh, I need you to graduate. And I was like, all right, I could do that. I graduated with a 1.7. So mm. it wasn't great, but I graduated. And then that's when in life for me, it was like, what the heck am I going to do? Because yeah. for me, the only way I ever got a job is by somebody knowing me. Like me having a fit job, like I even got tip jobs and stuff like that. But for somebody to actually um, give me a job where it was lasting, had benefits, I had to know somebody. So I, it it, was, it looked different for me, like going into um, finding who I was. And then I had my son. And I had my son, when he came out. I was like, oh, this little joker depends on me. I got to get my stuff together. I got to stop hanging out with. People around the way stop drinking, stop doing all this dumb stuff and actually get my act together and then life just happened. I mean, it was like you said, uh, it's mindset. You could, you could be in the hood, you could be in a bad circumstance, but if your mind's somewhere else, you'll eventually get there. Like, you have to think outside the box and think, like, I'm going to make it outside of here. And like you said earlier, you can't blame... You can't blame other people. It's not your mama's fault. I never blame my mama for me being born the way I was. I wasn't like, oh, mom, it's your fault I was born this way. You didn't. No, I never, never blamed you. So you can't blame people for your circumstances. You just got to get out of there. So um, you said you worked in schools. And so look, me for me, graduated with a 1.7, two time college dropout and I'm a teacher. How? Wow. Why? Why, why is that? I was like, I need you to go in this classroom, learn how to do things, learn how to teach kids in the right way, and not just yell or you know certain stuff of that sort. And it was like, wow, I'm really a teacher. And I never thought that. Like, I never went to school for it. I was not in my dreams or goals to do any of that. But sometimes life gives you in a way that you don't understand. Like you was like, oh, I'm about to go overseas. Wait Your niece said, no nah, we're we done. Yeah, but you had to realize, okay, now what can I do? Who am I outside of the basketball court? And that's the same with yeah, Who am I outside of the basketball court? And that's how I figured out I was going to be the underdog. So, we are in school, that sort of how did you, how did you- start like the underdog program was it like you just speaking or was it like you actually um like had a program for kids
1: yeah man that's man i'm just listening to your story and heard about what you had what you had to walk through and work through how how old are you you don't mind me asking bro Uh, i'm 36 36 so we real close in age man we grew up in that same era how the hell is you a jaylen brown and jason Tatum? i mean were you from indiana
0: yeah, I'm from. So, I've always been a Paul Pierce fan. Oh, okay, Paul is always and then Ray Allen because I shoot threes. I studied Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, mm-hmm. and so I always like the Celtics. I would root for him. I'm I'm really a Bulls fan at heart. Like at oh, heart sure. at heart because where I live in Indiana up north.
1: Yeah, um, and that's close to cool Chicago, right?
0: Yeah, so you're a Chicago fan. Like I like the Bulls. I like the Cubs but oh, yeah. I like the Celtics yeah. and then kind of like when, you know, they made that trade, I was kind of, I was, I was a Celtics fan before that, but when they made that trade and I've been rocking with them ever since, yes. I didn't bum lineups. We didn't have trash <laughs> rosters. I still rock with them. Like people, my, yeah. my homies know that, like, it ain't yeah. like I'm just jumping on the board, like the Celtics. It was so hard watching the Celtics and the Warriors because I love Steph. I love Draymond is one of my all time favorite players. Dre, because, okay, Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's like, man, but I, I kind of was like torn, and I kind of knew I was like, if they win, we lost to Steph in them. It ain't like we just lost to some regular, you know, some okie doke. Oh, yeah, we lost to Steph in them, so it wasn't as bad. But yeah, that's how I'm a Celtics fan. I rock, I've yeah. been rocking with the truth.
1: Yeah, I look, the truth is, hey boy, when he came out and gave them Lakers the works, yeah, no, the um uh, I could respect that, bro. I could respect that, man. Because I'm a, uh, you know, obviously I'm a Portland Trouble Ages fan because I grew up here, but I'm also a Dallas Cowboys fan and people don't oh know how my to fix God, that. Out.
0: Why, why? Why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Come
1: on, man. That's pops. Pop, you know how it works. So, my pop, this, this is how I figured it out. My pops told me, I was like, Dad, why are you a Cowboys fan? He's like, Well, back in the day, like <coughs> growing up, you would see the Steelers, <coughs> the Steelers, 49ers, and the Cowboys. are like, they would, those were like the only teams that would play on TV right against whatever other random team, but they were always on TV. So I just followed the Cowboys and I just watched my dad growing up watching them. And now I'm in love. And this just, man, it's stressful, but you, you know,
0: sports is a whole nother. No, hey, go go. that's all I'm going to say.
1: I'm a Packers fan. <laughs> oh, Packers. Yeah. Y'all smoke us every time. I do not want to play y'all in the playoffs at all. <laughs> Even if y'all under 500 Aaron Rodgers got our number,
0: bro. Yeah, can't, look, can't I'm a, sure. before I let you uh, say what you're going to say, so the reason I'm a Packers fan, so my biological dad died when I was uh, like three because of cancer. So my dad is my sister's dad, so he was a Bears fan. I didn't like him until I was like a teenager, but he was, He's around like, a, he was a Bears fan. fan. Yeah, Bears fan. Yeah, 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 so yeah Since yeah. He was a Bears fan. I didn't want to be a Bears fan. So the Packers was the next best thing. So I've been a yeah. Packers fan ever since. So I was the opposite that's a total upgrade. The Bears ain't been relevant. I mean,
1: they yes, went to the Super Bowl one time with Lovey Smith, and I know they were, you know, 85 or whatever, but like 37 you,
0: years ago. 30,
1: you so. made it, you made it, yeah, that's a lot of years ago, bro. You yeah. wasn't even born. I, was, I wasn't, yeah. Six months. <laughs> yeah. 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 So let's come back to this. So uh, so how like what did I do with the underdog? Like, how did I build it? So when I like again coming back to my conversation with my homie, um, he's an he's an incredibly detailed and specific person where I'm much more big vision, big picture, in action, reflect, adjust, and change. So he helped me a lot, you know what I mean? You know, Kind of just like put together like what I could build. And uh, every time I get together with my boy, he like just inspires me to think bigger and, and do better. So again, when we sat down, I said I knew what my why was, you know, and I wanna help people tap into the power, their potential so they can lean into their greatness. You know, it's just been a gift that I felt like God has given me. And it's I've just watched my father do that to just encourage, to love, to support, just to be a positive influence in the world. You know what I mean? And so I always knew I wanted to do that. And so I was already doing that to a certain level. So there is that. Then I always knew kind of um, what I wanted to do, which was like, okay, I've been getting asked a lot to come speak and share my story and, you know, come facilitate this conversation. But nobody was ever talking about no bread. And so I was sitting in my office in my job, and this is when I worked in a program called Gear Up. I don't know if you're familiar with it, um, but it's like a college access readiness program. And we, in the program, we, we have a budget to bring in speakers and different things. And we brought this dude in named Aurel Moody. And good speaker, real solid, great message, inspires the kids. And so I was sitting in my office. I was talking to my supervisor. And uh, I was like, hey, I was like, Nina, let me ask you. I was like, hey, uh, how much did we how much did we pay him like what does he get paid because i'm like man he's from new york he's traveling all the way here i'm like how to pay him a few thousand bucks to make it worth his while she's like oh well we he was here for three days he was at one school one school he was at three different schools and he basically did a keynote for 45 minutes at one school a little workshop afterwards and then and met with uh, teachers and then parents so basically he was spending about three and a half hours at each school for three days so you think about that let's say it's 10 hours she said we paid him $30,000. I said, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> I'm going to quit my damn job right now. You lost your damn mind. 30, 000, no. <laughs> I said I'm getting 42,000 right now, and I'm here every damn day. Yeah. I said you got to lost your damn mind. I said, no, I could do this shit." I was like, "We could do this." And she was with me. She was like, "I'll be your manager." But I was like, "Shit." But you know, you just talking and we did she was really she was a really solid human, you know, and really good people with me. And so that was three years prior to when I went all in. And then I just sat down and I said, Tyler, listen, like, you're getting paid not per the hour. You're getting paid for the value that you bring to the hour. And who determines the value that you bring to the hour is the people that are paying you. Right? So I'm like, shit. I know I'm bringing great value to these students. I was mentoring kids. I was having tons of kids graduate from college, high school, going to college, supporting them. But I'm like, bro, I'm just not being compensated enough. So I look at it and I think there's three things there's passion. You got to find something you're passionate about. I was passionate about that work. You got to find something that gives you purpose. Absolutely. I was giving purpose and helping other young pe- people and keeping me young and youthful. And just like you were saying, I'm cooking these eighth graders. They was talking hella shit, bro. I was coming out here windmilling, dunking on you on out of balance plays because I was waiting. I said, wait, OK, <laughs> you gonna catch this. You gonna catch some 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 ducks. And I had purpose. I had passion, but it wasn't equal in the lifestyle that I wanted to live for my family. At the time, my wife was making like three times what I was making, working incredibly hard. We had, uh, you know, children, our family was growing and I just felt like, man, I I wasn't living into my potential. I got to add more. So when I launched the underdog mentality, um, I went into it with the mindset that how can I help people tap into the power of their potential so they can lean into their greatness? And at first that was strictly just speaking. So I would g- do a lot of keynotes getting, you know, uh, you know, people would bring me in to come speak at different events, so on and so forth. But I, what I realized was I love keynoting, but my real passion was like that facilitation, right? Like that training, like the deeper level conversation that you can get into, whether it's small group work, you know, bigger group work, whatever it is, it's, it's the continuous work, right? Cause you know, change is much more of a, a process than just one event. Right. And Eric, you get it, bro. Like I'm sure you follow other speakers. You're an ins- inspirational person yourself. You're inspired. Most people just are not. So the reality is You know, let's say you listen to this podcast or you hear this speaker and you're excited and you go outside and your tire is flat. Your motivation is deflated just like your damn tire. Mm -hmm. So how do we continue to keep that ongoing process of engagement to keep lighting that fire under you? And so I expanded from just speaking to now facilitation and training. Um, I also do, uh, I have a mentoring and mindset program that we're, we piloted at one of the local high schools here and it's going really well. And this is something that I see the next level for me where it's something I can kind of scale, right? Because you realize as a speaker, as fellow speaker, like um, you can only do so much, right? And I wanted to be at a place where I man, I'll make a few hundred thousand dollars and I got hella hell of flexibility. That's a plush life for me. I don't need to be this multi million dollar guru selling my programs to all these people. Like if you look at my social, I've never you'll never see one video of me talking about selling a program because I don't do those. Like I've mentored people for a lot of times in my life and that shit is exhausting. Why? Because people will pay for these services but it won't change a damn thing. And therefore, I feel like I'm not doing a good job. But the reality is you're not taking the information and changing. It's not, I don't think there's a ga- there, there's a gap. There's not a gap. People know what to do. They just don't know why. They're just not doing the shit. <laughs> you know what I mean, so, like, I don't have time. I got kids. I got six kids. I've got time to be sitting down with you talking about the same thing and you don't want to change. I love you to death. Call me. We can talk. I'll do this for free, but you don't need to pay me for that. Go find somebody else's program or whatever. So, I mean, maybe that might change for me in the future, but right now what we provide is keynote speaking training and facilitation. And so, you know, I'll give you an example. So uh, I would say probably about 50% of my partnerships that I work with are schools, whether that be middle schools, high schools, or colleges, that's speaking, mentoring, or or facilitation of conversations. Um, And the rest of it is working with, like, uh, I've worked with, you know, um, architectural firms with their staff, right? Um, Culturally responsive, you know, conversations within that, uh, but most of the things I speak about is the mindset because I know you get this, bro. Like, if you your foundation has to be the mindset, people want to come out here and teach you all these skills and all these what to do's. But if you're not thinking the right way, none of that matters, right? None of that matters. And it's about emotional intelligence. And so that's what I love that I get to do every day. And, I, and, and I've and i created a life for myself and my family where I could be available for my children because my wife is such an incredible, um, you know, provider financially, and she loves her work that she does. Um, but I just know that she doesn't have the same flexibility that I do. Like before I came on this call, she just called me. I was shopping, doing a little shopping. That's why I was a little late. And she was saying that, um you know, she has to go to Seattle, which is like three hours away for like two days next week. Well, if I had a traditional job, who the hell going to watch our kids? <laughs> like, who going to take care of them? So I, I said, okay, what can I create to where I have control of my schedule? And I have no complaints, bro. i tell you, it is a beautiful thing. Like, right now, for these last, like, two and a half weeks, I've done no speaking engagements. And I'm totally fine with that. But I can hop on a pod with you. You know what I mean? I'll shoot off a couple emails, a couple invoices, a couple responses to some maybe some young folks that I'm mentoring. And it's just fits in the lifestyle that I want to live. And that's the biggest thing is that like, you can have passion, you can have purpose, but if it doesn't equal the lifestyle that you want to live into, you're going to be a frustrated human and you're going to be on my timeline feed, uh, annoying me and get the hell off.
0: Yeah. 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 I love it. And I, and I understand everything you were saying. Cause when, when I found out how much people get paid to speak and I'm like, Y- y'all paid him to come in here for for professional development and he made me go to sleep? Oh, I could do a way better job than that. How can I get? And And I had to realize, I remember a coach told me, he was like, man, you're a good and one player. Mm. He was like, you got to turn it into being a professional NBA player. And I, when I realized that, I was like, okay, I got to change how my approach is. Because, mm. you know, I've been talking my whole life. And I always when I look back on it, i always been inspiring. People are always motivated just by how I talk, but it's like a way when you go in a classroom and, or when you're doing a workshop or those different things of how you got to explain yourself to people and get your point across and stuff like that. So that's what I've been working on. Like, like when they say the underdog meets the underdog, I'm starting off and you where I want to be. Cause I want to be like, all right, well, I, I'm going to go speak like, two times this month, make this amount of money and the rest. All right. I can go to my son practice. I can go to his games. Yeah. I can do this. I can do that. I can go visit my daughter in college, pop up on her out the blue because she'll be in college next year. Like it's like stuff like that, that that's where I want to be at, where I got that freedom and I can do what I want and I don't got to change my life. So it's definitely about the mindset when it comes to life in general, like you got to think you like, you got to write it down and make it plain. Like that's yeah. very simple. You write what you want, write who you want to be. Cause we always, Oh, I want this. I want to make this amount of money, but who are you? Cause you can't be that same person you've been and make that amount of money. Why? Cause you ain't made that amount of money at the person that you've been. So yeah. you have to change. So if you don't want to change or you don't know who you want to become, then you're not going to be successful. So it's mm. not about what you want to do and all that. It's like you got to know who you are as a person and be comfortable with yourself. I'm comfortable with me. I'm comfortable yeah. with Eric Jones Jr. I can walk into any room and I can be myself and people gonna people either love or hate me. I'm like, I'm not everybody's choice, but, and I'm cool with that. Like yeah, the people I sit down with and have a conversation with, I can do that because I'm me. It don't matter if they black, white, woman, Asian. It don't matter who it is, and I've been in those situations, and that's where people have to realize it's okay to be an underdog because everybody's been an underdog. Steph Curry's mm-hmm. been an underdog. Dane's been an underdog. Oh. Everybody's been an underdog. Like think like if we really look at Steph's accomplishment and what people said he wasn't going to do when he came mm-hmm. when he was done, like LeBron. Oh yeah, okay, LeBron going like. I don't like LeBron like that, but I respect LeBron's game. Like, I respect him. I understand his you greatness. Like,
1: you, what you don't like? You don't like like how he's kind of...
0: LeBron. I don't like basketball LeBron. As a as a dad, as a man, outside, I just don't like him on the basketball court. I've just never been a LeBron fan. That's just me. Like, that's I'm going to let that me. slide. Okay, I'm going to let yeah. you slide on that. Yeah, but look at the different people that we look up to. Everybody's been an underdog, and we don't realize that because we don't know what people do behind closed doors. Yeah. Like I'm sure from ninth grade to 10th grade, you was hooping, but it wasn't with everybody. You weren't working on, you ain't call you. Hey man, you want to go work on the game? No, you went outside and you just was working. I was working rain, sleet, hell snow. I don't care. I'm going outside to hoop. I got a basketball court in my house, in uh, outside my house. It's a basketball. It's a gym around the corner. Like I'm going to hoop. Like it's, I didn't need nobody to take me. Like I tell my son, I'm like, dude, your granny ain't never take me to the basketball court. She ain't never have to be like, "Come on, son, you need." I'm... hey, mom, I'm going to the court.
1: Yeah, how old is your
0: son? Uh, he eight.
1: He's eight. Yep. He j- I got a ten year old. We'd be having the same conversation. We, I put look, I invested a good amount of money in a glass backboard outside with an adjustable joint. You know what I mean? So have fun if you want to dunk and play around. So it can emulate like a real game. Like, right? cause you get them little flimsy backboards, but that. You Could you could throw that shit as hard as you want off that plastic backboard? It's gonna go in on yeah. that glass. You gotta have some touch. Yeah. This this dude won't go outside for shit. and then show up in a game and wonder why you
0: ask. Listen, to me. yeah,
1: you <laughs> asked. <he> <laughs> <the game. laughs> no, listen, be. listen like, I had to I had to be. Me.
0: listen. I had to have a conversation because one day he was like, I quit. I said, What I when <laughs> I tell you. I chewed him out. You quit? and This cost that amount of money and I'm paying that? No, you ain't quit. Oh, you quit? Okay. I'm taking everything you got. Everything that you thought was fun, I'm taking it because I got I to take it back to replace the money. So he come. He like, yeah, okay, I want to play. So I'm yeah. like, listen, you, you good. He's just naturally kind of decent. He's decent. I ain't going to say yeah. he's great. He's good. He can yeah. shoot really well. So I was like, you're only going to be great if you actually want to do it. Like, yeah. I can't make you go to the court. I shouldn't have to ask you. You should be watching basketball. So he started, and he definitely, like, it's a change. He had one game where he went crazy. He had 12 points. Like, he played AAU, so it's competitive. Yeah. He was going. So it's like I had to tell him that I have to explain that to him. I was coaching. I had to explain to the girls. they like, oh, it's hard for me to sh- – it's hard for who to shoot. If I yeah. can shoot with yeah. these, then you can. Listen, you better. I, I'll be like, okay, let me stop. But you, you can shoot. If I can shoot with these, <laughs> you can shoot. And that's where some people they don't believe in themselves. And that's yeah. where, as you as the underdog, as me as under, we believed in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we believe because we believe. We didn't believe because dad said, mom said, none of that. Your dad said, "What? Who do you want to become?" He ain't saying, hey, son, I believe in you to go play. No, who do you want to become? Okay, this is what you want to do? I'm behind you. And mm-hmm. that's what people don't realize. Once you start going, once you start doing what you're supposed to, that, that's when everybody come behind you. Don't mm-hmm. think people go, and don't, don't expect support from anybody close to you, your family, none of that. It ain't going to happen. The stranger's going to come and support you because you're doing what you're supposed to. You be consistent and you just put in the work that you're supposed to. Because like you said, you either do it or you don't. That's the mm-hmm. gap is where mm-hmm. you, do you don't, it's mm-hmm. easy to not do something. It's easy to sit on the couch and watch Netflix. It's easy to, uh, not know when, when to pay the bills. It's easy to know, not know when, uh, when you got a meeting. all that good stuff, but it's hard to be successful, but it's hard to be in poverty. It's hard to be broke. It's you got to choose your heart. You got to choose your heart, bro. Yeah. You got to, you got to you choo- you choose your heart. So, um give three tips uh to people that are in the underdog you know the new year coming up this episode will be um in the in January uh so they they need some tips because you know it's new year new me you know yeah. as soon as the new year happened everything just magically changed I wake up on new on January 1st and everything changed yeah. they tips they need three yeah. tips man, that they can do when they listen to this episode that they yeah. can uh, implement in their life.
1: Well, one thing I one thing I learned about me, man, is I can be kind of uh, arrogant, boastful in this. I just don't have the time for the new year, new me. What do I mean by that, bro? Like, it's the same you. It's just gonna be a more improved version. And you know, your timeline probably right now. If we go on our our timelines right now flooded with people you know new goals can't wait this manifesting, praying on this which i love that announce that but then actually put in the work because like i said earlier you can't complain about the lack of results you got from the lack of energy effort or mindset you put into something you got to sit in that and i and for me i think i've just been blessed with this and i know not everybody has this type of trait i love responsibility Mm. i can totally you know uh say when I'm wrong and I made a mistake and laugh about it. I make fun of myself all the time. And, um, but then if I did my shit and I did it well, I'm gonna let you know, we're doing this. This is what I do. Right. And it's that belief in self. Um, so I would just say there's three things and I tell my young people, especially if if any young folks are watching this or anybody could take, take heed to this. Uh, there's three things I want you to be. Number one, I want you to be you. The Lauren Hill, one of my favorite artists, man, and on her uh, Unplugged session she did, you know, 20 years ago, she said the real you is way more impressive than the fake somebody else. So you have to authentically find out who you are. And that takes some uh, reflection in the mirror. It takes some looking into. uh, It takes some investigation into who you are. So you, number one, you have to be you. Show up as your full self. It's one of the main reasons why I decided to leave. Kind of the, the work and the space that I was in, not my organization, but I was working with colleges and whatnot. And it was like, man, shit, they want me to act like this or say, like, talk. But I don't, that's not who I am. Like, I'm going to be who I want to be. And uh I'm going to do it well. So be you. Number two is be new. You got to get out of your old ways of thinking. If you don't get some new information, every time I talk about a lot of times my mentors, I literally have like two human Physical mentors that I can reach out to and text and connect with. All the rest of them, I got my books over here. Books cost $13 off Amazon. What are you not reading for? Pods. You know, podcasts are free. (laughs) What are you not learning new things for? So You need to be new. So be you, be new. And the last thing is be glue. And I know it sounds kind of corny because it kind of rhymes, but that's kind of my rap mindset, you know, from back in the day. Be glue. Stick with what has got you to this point in life. If you're listening to this or you're watching this, however you're, you know, you know, diving into this platform, uh, you've done things that have got you to a certain point of life. And that's a huge accomplishment. So you need to reflect and say, "What, what, what, what are the things that I can stick with that have got me to this point in life? Is it my resiliency? Is it my organization? Is it my ability to communicate? Is it my ability to stay dedicated? Find that
0: trait that is within you and stick with it, man. So be you, be new, be glue. Much love. Man, I I love it and it's simple. Sometimes it like I I tell people explain it to where you can explain it to a 5-year-old. You can explain that to a 5-year-old. If they can get it, anybody can get it. Uh yeah. give us a quote. Uh it could be your quote, um quote to live by whatever. It, it yeah. may be give us a quote and then tell people how they can reach uh reach you on social media and on uh yeah. the internet.
1: First of all, man, this was a dope experience, bro. And we got to connect offline. I don't know how this works when we shut this down, but I want to. I want to. Ch- I got a couple opportunities. I think we could partner up on. But I'm thinking about the quote and the quote I probably use the most. I talk a lot about potential, right? Because it's ambiguous, right? Like you can't really measure potential. But I would just tell you about the quote in potential. Potential is a present but not yet visible excellence or ability that is yet to be developed. I'll say it again. Potential is a present but not yet visible excellence or ability that's just yet to be developed. Essentially, what it means is it's something that is resting within you and we all have it. But it is has to there has to be a a mindset of effort and work and energy that puts into growing that potential to reach the level of life that you want to hit. So for me, when I look at it, I think everybody has an immense amount of potential right eric like you can do some shit that i can't do i can do some stuff you can't do we all bring a level of genius and potential to this world that somebody else just doesn't offer so how do you maximize that you have to lean into your potential so if you want to reach me um everything the underdog mentality on all platforms uh instagram the underdog mentality i'm on linkedin on linkedin i'm on tyler monk um so you can find me as tyler monk but if you look up the underdog mentality on linkedin you can find me there um on twitter Tyler Monk, Underdog Mentality. You can find me there and also on uh, Facebook. Um, I love to connect, man. I love just to connect with good, real people, you know, have questions, have conversations, share some inspiration with you, whatever the case may be. You can hit me up. i love to touch base.
0: Appreciate you, man. I appreciate this conversation. Definitely was a good one. Um, definitely would like to connect off. Um, just thank you again, man, because it's different, like, Different having conversations with different people, that's why I love having the show. Um, but just looking at some stuff that you said about underdog, it definitely uh brings a light bulb to my brain like, oh, okay, I, I get it, like, or certain stuff. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you, man. And um, I always tell uh, closing words like we in church, but any closing words before we get out of here?
1: Um, yeah, I'll just share another quote because I'm a quote guy. And I always usually lead off any talk that I'm doing with this. You can't see what you don't believe and you can't believe what you don't look for. You can't see what you don't believe and you can't believe what you don't look for. Taking the church with this. So my question to you is, what do you believe to be true about you, about your situation, your circumstances? What do you believe to be true about that? About your potential that you can reach and what opportunities are you seeking out to facilitate change within those opportunities?
0: And that's a challenge I always love to leave people with. And on that note, peace. One love. Much love. I'm the underdog with the heroic heart. I'm Eric Jones Jr. I have to keep pushing for my kids. If I give up, what's that leave them with? Nothing. I have to understand that it's bigger than me. That it's not about me when I wake up and go to work. It's not about me when i read and educate myself. It's not about me when I'm practicing my speeches. It's not about me. It's about my family,